The median price of a three-bedroom rental in Cambridge, Massachusetts today is $3,950. I'm Christopher Schmidt, and this is Renters Matter, the show about politics in Cambridge, Massachusetts from the perspective of a renter, namely me. Uh, this week, there's only one big news item that's on at least my mind, although maybe not everyone's mind based on the reaction of some city officials, and that is the coronavirus epidemic slash pandemic spreading around the world as it happens today. Um, so for those of you who somehow do not know, uh, coronavirus uh, slash COVID-19, the, the most recent coronavirus slash COVID-19 is a newly spreading uh, uh, disease to spread around the world, um, initiated and, and, and started in China, but has now spread to more than 170 countries and has been declared officially a pandemic by the World Health Organization. This disease is highly infectious. Uh, relatively fatal relative to traditional flu and is um, desperately taxing all of our abilities to respond to a medical emergency around the world. This is pretty scary shit. Um, this is this is really, really scary shit. And, and I want to just say, like, flat out, one, I just want to say, I'm clearly not a health professional. I work as a software developer working on open source software. I am not who you should be listening to for uh, health advice. But wash your hands, don't touch your face, and if you can avoid being in large crowds, do so. Um, Massachusetts declared a state of emergency. Governor Baker declared a state of emergency yesterday and has been actively working to reduce hours worked in person by uh, members of the executive branch. Uh, the Senate legislative branch just declared that they were doing the same thing for themselves. And many employers, including mine, have instituted uh, working from home policies that are designed to slow the spread of the virus. Massachusetts, as of yesterday's reporting, has 92 confirmed cases, most of which can be traced back to a single meeting of Biogen, uh, Biogen you know, executives strategy meeting uh, with 175 attendees. Um, 70 of those 92 cases have been traced back to Biogen at this point. But the spread at this point is almost certainly uh, endemic in Massachusetts. There is no chance that this will be contained. There is no chance that we will catch every one of these. We're already seeing cases out in Berkshire County that have been spread without a known contact to existing clusters. Um, and last, uh, as of yesterday, there were or 20 different cases that had not been traced back to existing different clusters. There, there simply is almost certainly no way that this will be contained and be a small, you know, uh, uh, thing that we can control and contain all the spread of. What this means for you is that any in-person contact you can mitigate will help slow the spread of the virus. The goal here is not to prevent you or anyone else from getting the virus. It is at this point, given how infectious it is and given how widespread it is, it is likely that this will be sort of like the flu insofar as it will spread throughout the entire population and whoever is susceptible to it is is likely to get it. How many people are susceptible to it, what the overall spread is, is, is unclear, but, but this is spreading very much everywhere. Um, and it is, is very likely that if you can get this, you will get this. Um, the key thing is to make that not all happen at once. Um, 
while death rates can be kept relatively low in a population so long as the total number of people who have this disease at any given time is low. Um, as we've seen in South Korea, they have maintained their case fatality rate at less than 1%, ranging from 0.5 to 0.8% at any given time. Um, so that is people who have uh, been identified to have the disease and have died from it, uh, 0.5 to 0.8%. Um, if you look at places where the medical system has been overwhelmed, uh, you have a very different number in in um, Wubei province uh, in um, China. That case fatality rate was 3.4 to 3.9 percent. In Italy right now, where lack of early prevention measures has resulted in an exponential curve, driving tons and tons more cases needing intensive care than are available medical resources. What we have seen is that uh, the case fatality rate there is more than 5%. Um, Italy also has the case that their population is heavily older. Um, this is very much having more impact on the older population of, among people who are more than 80 years old. There's a fatality rate of, I've seen numbers ranging from 15 to 20% in some cases. Uh, that is extremely scary, um, and that number is high across the board for those over the age of 60. This is a really scary disease, especially for older Americans, and it is spreading quickly. Um, Massachusetts, in its report yesterday, in its public uh, uh, conference yesterday, confirmed that they had identified 51 new cases yesterday. Um, what they also confirmed is that their overall testing capacity per day is only 40 to 50 people. When they say they've identified 50 more people yesterday and there is only capacity to test 50 people a day, that really means that they're testing al almost everyone that they are testing is having this, this effect going on. So, so this is really, really um, something that we have to be looking at, have to be doing whatever we can to contain this, uh, and, and not contain this, but to slow this, because we do not want to be in a situation where we go from um, 600 cases. So what happened two and a half weeks ago, Italy had 600 uh, confirmed cases. Um, that is about how many of the U.S. had two days ago. Uh, they went from 600 confirmed cases to nearly 8,000 or to 6,000 contained cases in just two and a half weeks. Uh, that would be you know, that, that's the exponential doubling that you would, you would, it's more than the exponential doubling, but it, it indicates that there was a likely lack of testing, which is consistent throughout the U.S. It means that there is a likely lack of understanding of what's actually going on. And, and these things can multiply quickly. The, the curves that we see in these, um, exponential growth curves, which are expected from this type of disease, are, are have terrifying results. Um, currently, the current expected doubling from this disease is every six to 10 days. Uh, you will see a doubling of the number of cases uh, from a particular cluster. Its infectivity rate is quite high. And despite the claims of the current president, this is not something that is a joke. It is not something that's just going to go away. It is not something that's going to get better. We need to be taking whatever steps we can now to reduce contact with large groups of people. Um, last night, I was at a planning board meeting where I was pre presenting my zoning petition to adjust the definition of family as it exists in the current zoning code. That definition of uh, that, that planning board meeting had something like 20 attendees, not counting the board members. Um, being in a room, cl sitting close to 20 different people for that long was 
a health risk. Um, and what I heard, I believe, from one of the board members who was commenting to someone he was sitting next to before the meeting started, was that he has a family member, a relation of some kind, who ha- is in quarantine for coronavirus currently. They were in contact with someone or, or at an event where someone who had coronavirus was, you know, identified. They've been asked to self-quarantine. And this planning board member was saying like, yeah, and I was, you know, uh, spending time with them after that and before they were quarantined. So maybe I shouldn't be here either. Um, and I like, no, you shouldn't be here. You should not be out in public right now. If you have a plausible and known connection to a coronavirus case, you should not be here. And when someone from the audience said really you're here he like pretended to blow on on the audience as if to say like look i'm joking about this this is not a joke this is not funny this is not anything like that and not only that but the planning board member is someone who is in a a highly susceptible case to have a higher rate of of infection is in a case where he is in a situation where he's being put in groups of large groups of at-risk people. Planning board meetings are often attended by a number of older community members that this type of thing is exactly the type of meeting that we should not have had. So after that, last night, I emailed the city council and said, look, I don't feel comfortable encouraging this meeting that is scheduled on my hearing next Tuesday. I would ask that you please reschedule this. If there's anything that I can do as the petitioner to make that easier for you, let me know. Because as important as I believe it is to change the definition of family in the zoning code and stop treating some families as as second class citizens, stop treating some households as if they don't belong don't belong here and are not welcome here in the city. I absolutely believe it is not worth the risk of a single person getting this disease and with a highly infectious disease spreading at a rate that is higher than can be tested in Massachusetts in a way that cannot be meaningfully detected until up to seven days after contracting the virus, during which that pre-symptomatic period, people are spreading the virus. I I do not believe that this is a meeting we should be having. I do not believe the city should be having any meetings until it has a response to this. And while there's an upcoming city council meeting where the city manager has been asked to provide its response to city council, I would encourage the council to pull back on any, any public meetings that are held since then. Should The city should be pushing faster to move forward and cancel these and should be taking all steps possible to mitigate that pain. The city should also be taking steps to mitigate whatever it can and insofar as providing resources to small businesses to ensure that they can provide sick days. It should be requiring businesses to offer sick time. It should be working to set up testing, um, although testing at this point is an utterly destroyed story that really can't be dealt with at the city level because of, of things we'll get to in a minute, but the city should be taking steps at this point to reduce all meetings of more than 50, more than 25 people. We should not be continuing to have these public meetings, which are of low value in many cases anyway, where we have dozens of vulnerable people sitting in an audience for hours at a time. It's just not appropriate. I mentioned that testing is extremely limited. Um, so Massachusetts has said that their limits to testing are 40 to 50 people a day. They've just gotten uh, permission from the CDC to automate part of that test to allow for preparation of nasal and cheek swabs uh, in an automated fashion, which will increase their testing throughput to 200 cases. But this has a problem because the company which makes RNA extraction reagents has sold out, has a huge backlog. There's only one approved company on the CDC list 
and and they basically said we have no more and we're we're going to take weeks to produce more of them we are sending these out as fast as we can get them we're ramping up production in our four facilities and it is still not going to be enough we cannot ship these test kits out fast enough and so even if um you know there's a whole bunch of discussion about cdc and who and all these test kits in the u.s being behind all of which is true but even if all of that was solved there are reagent issues that are going to make testing continue to be a major issue going forward and and we will not have an idea of how far this has spread in massachusetts for weeks at least minimum private testing is spinning up but private testing will likely be not free you know, many of the, the CDC test has been free so far, although uh, we all recognize that the CDC test is being administered by hospital staff who are t getting it has been included going to the ER. People have been charged $10,000 hospital bills, which, yes, are negotiated down by insurance. But uninsured members of the public have to look at, you know, not being able to do that. We're looking at situations where people do not have health health insurance, do not have sick days, do not have all these things. And, and I would strongly encourage... At the very least, all of you who work for companies where working remote is possible, all of you who work for companies where working from home is an option, should be maximizing that as much as possible because riding the T, every person riding the T is an initial vector here. Every person who is doing, because it really, really, like, like these things can live, according to reports that are out today, on metal surfaces for up to three hours. One sneeze on on like the tea can have this sitting on a pole for people to catch for hours, and it will and it is highly highly contagious. That that this is something that will spread and spread and spread. We are really in a situation here where this is a terrifying reality, and we should be minimizing that close packed nature of people, minimizing vectors that we can as much as possible. And, and so if you can work from home, if you can tell your employer to work from home, if they're giving you the option to work from home, take it now. As much as you can, do not do not, and this is, I, I understand, many people can't do this. If you're working in a place that requires you to go there and you don't have sick days and you can't work from home, I, I understand my goal is to take all of those of, of us, me, who are privileged enough to do that and to say, like, you need to take step up and be the leader here because we need to open that space and make it possible for all those people who don't have that option, who don't have sick days, who don't have time off to, to live their lives without putting them, with while putting them in as at as little risk as possible. Um, this is going to be a really, really troublesome situation for quite a long time. This is going to be months. This is not going to be days or weeks. Uh, I, you know, it's 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 really going to be a long time where we're attempting to shrink this number of people who need hospitalization, which is 11% of people who are infected with this disease and who who are at risk of death, which is about 1% of the people from this disease, one to, you know, 3% if we get into to troublesome territory. We do not want to be dealing with that situation uh, here as much as we can. We've already seen the number of deaths that happen in Washington state where an entire nursing home effectively caught this disease uh, and and passed it around and something like you know a dozen or more uh, I think two dozen at this point died in that nursing home alone that's a horrifying story and we want to minimize that as much as possible the only way we can do that is for people to you know be as as aggressive as they can at lowering the transmission risk at lowering this access um, Harvard and MIT have sent all of their students home. 
dorms are emptying out. Uh, people are being asked to go home. Um, the trouble, of course, being that for some people, the dorms are effectively the only home they have. There are homeless students who attend college at these schools. There are, are people who are in visas that don't allow them to travel back to their home countries. Um, and and I'm disappointed that Harvard especially was not better prepared for this, that, that uh, you know, they were not ready to handle these types of questions when they made this announcement. I, I think that, you know, I'm really disappointed in their resiliency to this, but I understand this is an unusual situation that they're not prepared for. It is really, really, Really important to minimize some of these things, though. And I was I was asked today, like, isn't this isn't this exactly what we don't want? We're taking Massachusetts, where we have a known virus cluster. The likelihood of there being a large number of undetected cases in Massachusetts right now is very high. The chances that there is no one at MIT or Harvard who have this disease right now is probably pretty low. Uh, you know, aren't we making a mistake by sending these kids home? And the reality is that the answer is both yes and no. Um, uh, if we believed this disease could still be contained, that is, our goal was to keep it from spreading more, then this would absolutely be a mistake. If we thought that this virus could still be contained, this would probably be uh, a mistake. But the situation we're in now is that this virus is very likely to spread throughout the entire population of the country. It's likely to infect. Everyone is going to infect. And, and, and that is a reality that we are going to have to face. We are going to be dealing with a continued exponential growth of of cases where, yes, two days ago we had 600, now we have 1,300 confirmed in the U.S. By tomorrow, it will probably be closer to 2,000, and it's going to continue to grow. Uh, that's that's the reality. We will not be able to contain this anymore. And so what we need to do in that case is we need to, to reduce the speed at which it transfers in clusters. The, the, we need to reduce the amount of time that it goes and it spreads among a highly concentrated population. And there is almost no more effective uh, disease petri dish than a college dorm. Uh, these are absolutely huge disease vectors. And if it were to spread through that population, now, admittedly, college students are relatively young. Fewer would actually be at risk of death, but there would still be a significant risk of complications. And, and you would be seeing, for example, you know, significant 25, 30, 40% of the students were likely to catch this. And with a 10% rate of that, you know, needing intensive hospital care, you could be seeing hundreds and hundreds of cases where, where this was happening in just a matter of a, a week or two um, if we were not you know, spreading these folks out. So I fully believe that we are sending coronavirus back to people's hometowns. We will be doing that um, later this week. We will be doing that this weekend. We will be doing that next week. Um, MIT's day uh, of exit is March 17th, which is, of course, evacuation day here in Massachusetts. Um, we are going to be spreading this disease all over the country, is most likely. Um, the only counter to that I have is that, like, that's going to happen anyway. Um, we need to be emptying out dorms because dorms are simply too concentrated and too much risk of contact that we cannot have people gathered in these ways. Now, as I look at Cambridge and look at these you know, other things, like one of the things that you have to look at, and I know I continue to harp on housing, is that like, we don't actually have places for these people to go. We don't have places in Boston, like Airbnbs have been effectively banned. Uh, 
in in Boston for the most part. Um, in in Cambridge, there's many fewer Airbnbs than there used to be. And if we were building lots of homes, this would actually be an opportunity for Airbnb to kind of open up and provide more homes for people where they're not in dorms with strict contact with lots and lots of other people that you could actually spread some of that contact out. And, and we can't do that because we don't have enough housing available. There are not vacant units. There are not empty homes. Um, the, the, the real vacancy rate of apartments in Cambridge right now is probably less than 1%. And, and those homes are not available for, for people to be in. We just can't do it. So we can't spread people out without sending them back to where they need to go. We do not have the resources to do that. Um, in, in King County, Washington, you saw that they, re, they purchased an uh, Econo Lodge that was being used as a hotel to act as a quarantine site. You know, that's great when you have a low-performing hotel the city was considering buying and turning into affordable housing, but we don't have that type of access here. And I don't know what we're going to do as we deal with dealing with the number of quarantine sites that people are looking at. Currently, there are more than 500 people as of yesterday who are under quarantine in Massachusetts, and that number is likely to grow as, as we do this. We live in dense urban areas where, you know, you're, you're in apartments shared with other people. We're not able to contain that. We've already seen that repeatedly with cases that are spread from these biogen parents to their children, um, to other workers at schools, you know, that we're dealing with a lot of these cases that are going to continue to be spread. And we do not have options for these people to quarantine separately from other folks because we don't have homes available that we can take over. Um, California is taking steps to actually purchase and park RVs on on the Presidio uh, parking area in in uh, San Francisco. You know, things that uh, California as a whole has wholeheartedly rejected the idea that you should provide safe spaces for RVs to park and provide services for them when you're dealing with the homeless suddenly become worth it when you have, you know, wealthy white people who are affected by problems. Uh, you know, cutting, cutting back on water and utility shutoffs, uh, putting in place temporary bans on on you know rent uh, uh, evictions and other things like that. We are going to see a lot of those, and there's going to be a lot of negative effects. Italy has just closed all shops that are not um, pharmacies or grocery stores. No one can can open a business for a month. Nothing. They've 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 had they've put a pause on all mortgage uh, payment collection. They've done all kinds of extreme measures. And and keep in mind that Italy was two weeks ago where we were two days ago. That is that we are twelve days behind them in in virus cases. Now, admittedly, we're twelve days behind them with a much larger population, a much larger overall um, medical base than than Italy. Italy has a population of sixty million. The U.S has 330 million. We've got a lot more capacity. So it's not going to be like one to one, but with exponential curves, and we are still seeing an exponential curve of growth in the US with doubling every you know three to five days right now as testing ramps up and still limited testing, we are going to be in a really troublesome spot for a long time. And there should be no expectation that we are able to easily contain this. Our goal has to be to slow the spread in time and expand the spread in space. There is no other option. We must do that, or we are going to see a high case fatality rate. We are going to see overwhelmed, well, our, our, our medical facilities overwhelmed, even here in Massachusetts, in Boston, where we have tons of hospital 
available resources. We do not have ICU beds for everyone who's going to need them. And there is a good chance, based on the modeling from epidemiologists, that we are looking at five to six figures of deaths here. Now, five figures is the what the flu gives us every flu season, and this flu season has been particularly bad. Typically, it's between 30 and 80,000 deaths from the flu. There is a good chance that we could be talking about five to 10 times that, even with aggressive steps. If we don't have aggressive steps, then that number could be significantly worse. When we, again, we talk about a 5% case fatality rate in Italy, when we talk about that being applied to the US with something that is affecting 40 million people like the flu does every year, and again, we don't have a vaccine, we don't have any way to prevent this from being caught, then we could be looking at 40 million uh, with a 5% case fatality rate could be bringing you up to you know something along the lines of 2 million. Did I do that right? 5% yeah, 2 million dead. Like that's, that's what happens if we do not slow the spread of this. That's what happens if we have medical systems collapse. That's what happens if we have this. It is also the case that when we're looking at the political engagement structures, as this is typically a show about politics, in the city, we need to be taking every step possible to mitigate risk. We need to be taking every step possible to minimize the amount of time that people spend in the same room. We need to be spreading people out. We need to be not having them in the same spaces. We need to be doing everything we can to, to spread things out and slow this down because otherwise we are going to be facing the basically decimation of our politically engaged, um, especially elderly participants in the Cambridge city politics. Like I, I think that there is a very good chance, even with good spread, even with good efforts, even with every step that we can take, there is a good chance that someone that I see on a weekly ish basis in city council will have passed away from this virus within the next three months. Like, even if we do everything right, that is going to be the case because that's the reality that we're facing with almost endemic spread in, in Massachusetts. This is a scary disease. Do everything you can. On an individual level, wash your hands every time you enter and leave the house. You know, take off you know shoes and jackets and leave them by the door. Uh, you know, wash your hands when you go out or at work or anything else like that. Be repeatedly doing that. Um, hand sanitizer that is at least 60% alcohol will help you know get the the virus off your hands. It breaks down the lipid layer and doesn't let it survive. Uh, you, there's there's all kinds of things you can do. The CDC website has these instructions. But the biggest thing that we have to do is we have to cut back on all in-person social group communication of, of more than 10 people should be cut back. Any non-essential meeting should be delayed or virtualized. Any opportunity you have to minimize your contact with people will be better. And, and if you have the ability to work from home and save that space for people who need it, save that space for people who need to come in and stock shelves, save that space for people who need to come in and, and do their work because otherwise they'll lose their jobs, do so. If you can work from home, you should be working from home now. And you should be telling your boss to tell everyone in the office to do the same and, and, and getting there as fast as possible. Google went to a countrywide working from home policy for almost all of Europe, almost all of North or North America, and, and, and much, and, and an optional working from home policy for most of Asia. And in, in addition to other preventative measures, your company should be doing the same. You should be taking whatever's steps you can because we're in a terrible situation that is coming on us like a freight train and we should absolutely be doing whatever we can to mitigate that, to stop it, to slow it, to prevent it.
I'm Chris Schmidt. This has been Renters Matter. See you next week.